You're listening to the Government Huddle Podcast, brought to you by GMARQU. Each episode features a unique discussion led by Open Text Public Sector Executive and Global Government Thought Leader, Brian Chittister. Experts in all things government from around the world join the show to share their stories and provide insight into the rapidly changing landscape that is the public sector. From digital transformation to workforce issues and even thoughts on policy, nothing is off limits. Come on, let's huddle up. Well, the first thing that we do when we start working with our future veterans is to show them the journey other veterans have had. So we have done with our veterans and service members, we've created a veteran's journey map. And it starts with the point of a session when they first raise their right hand and swear to serve their country in uniform. And it goes through their transition into the VA and into their point at which they are no longer living, but we're still providing services to their survivors. That's Dr. Linda Davis, the former Chief Experience Officer for the Department of Veterans Affairs, and she has some really great insights to share today around CX at the department. Welcome back to the Government Huddle Podcast, guys. I'm your host, Brian Chittister. And before we jump into the conversation with Dr. Davis, as many of you who listen to the show regularly know, I'm a pretty big sports fan, and I, I tend to watch Sports Center on a pretty regular basis, and one of their anchors... Scott Van Pelt does a segment on the late night sports center, which I catch in the morning because I'm too old to stay up these days. But he does a segment called Best Thing I Saw Today, where he highlights just that, the best thing that he saw today. So I wanted to bring that to my show. And I started watching something the other day that I think my listeners will really enjoy. 10 years after the operation that brought Osama bin Laden to justice, former President Barack Obama and Admiral Bill McRaven, the commander of the Special Operations Forces who executed the raid, sat down to reflect on the thousands of people who made that mission possible and what it meant to the country. And as I was watching, I absolutely loved it. Here's a short clip from the interview. When I look back, you know, with the benefit of 10 years, uh, what strikes me maybe is not a particular moment, the number of people who operated at the very highest levels for a sustained period of time, that is something that I appreciate even more a decade later. It makes me appreciate how unfortunately rare that is. Uh, And it makes me wonder sometimes how we can duplicate that kind of uh, mission orientation and focus uh, in so many of the other challenges that uh, our country has to meet. If you get a chance to watch it, I highly recommend you do so. You can find it at the Obama Foundation's channel on YouTube. All right, now I want to bring on my guest today, which I think dovetails pretty nicely with the clip we just listened to because she's someone who has dedicated her life in service of our military service members and veterans. There are a few organizations around the world that are as large or complex as the Department of Veterans Affairs. It's an agency with more than 300,000 employees and a mission to provide benefits, healthcare, and other services to millions of veterans each year. And Dr. Davis's veteran-centric background and experience made her a great fit for her role. Before she came to the VA, Davis served as Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Military Community and Family Policy and Deputy Assistant Secretary for Military Personnel Policy for the Department of the Navy, 
and was the designated lead for the Joint Department of Defense and VA response to the recommendations of Commission on Care for America's Returning Wounded Warriors. And I think you'll hear how her firsthand experiences navigating this community were really drivers in making strategic changes and how the VA approached the CX evolution. Linda, thanks so much for joining the show today and having this discussion. Oh, thank you very much, Brian. It's uh, my, my honor. One of the things that I love about working with people in the public sector is it's not just a job to them generally. There's some type of vested interest, whether it's a personal mission or just a belief um, in the mission that they're working towards. You have a background, uh, a very a very comprehensive military background that really has driven that mission forward, um, especially with the work you did at the VA. Why don't you give our listeners um, a glimpse into what that background is and how that experience has helped um, drive and motivate you to create those those better experiences for veterans? Brian, thank you. First of all, I am my own customer, and that was key for me. Um, I am a veteran. I am a veteran's mother, a veteran's caregiver, and the survivor of a veteran. So being able to root my professional role in my personal life experience and that of others in the military, veteran, family, caregiver, and survivor community. That has meant that I um, am able to better understand the culture that my customers live in and their uh, journeys as they try to navigate the um, moments that matter in their lives, whether it's from the point of a session when they're raising their hand and being sworn in to the point of memorialization when we honor their life and we continue to support their survivors. It also means that I've had a chance to walk some of that journey um, that they uh, have walked and I can better understand what works and doesn't work when we're trying to deliver healthcare and benefits and memorial services. But really key in addition to that lived experience is understanding that experience alone is never the substitute um, that there's really a need for me in, in my professional role to um, have systematic and consistent feedback from those customers to collect, analyze, and, and apply data from everybody who has served that we're now trying to serve. Because after all, my life lens is, is not 2020. It reflects, you know, my experience. And while I may have a benefit of understanding the culture somewhat, um, we need to be fully informed to to serve everyone and to especially make sure that we're inclusive, diverse, and equitable in the delivery of those services. You touched on a couple of things in there. One of the things I do want to shine some light on is when we think of the Department of Veterans Affairs, I think most people think about all the different medical centers that are spread out across the country, I think they don't realize that there's multiple areas, we can call them theaters, multiple theaters that you play across. You not only have that direct medical attention that you provide for veterans, but also the the burial uh, and memorialization of, of veterans as well and other benefits. How does that ecosystem make it difficult? Because obviously you're you're working to multiple personas in that point, right? And you touched on those milestones. How did playing across those three different specializations affect how you focused on experience? 
implementing the um, commitment to a customer experience culture in the VA is a challenge because we really have three distinct lines of business. As you said, healthcare benefits and memorial services. And we not only have those verticals, but horizontally we're distributed across the whole country. So most communities have some VA touch point within uh, 200 miles of them. And so it's huge. It's the largest integrated healthcare system uh, in the country, just that VHA part alone. So one of the things was to look at how you have um, integrate headquarters goals, vision, and, and the mission of customer experience uh, with this distributed and very um, uh, diverse um, lines of business. And um, so it was essential that even though there was a history since the uh, 2015 with the Obama administration and Secretary McDonald, there was the history of committing to CX. It hadn't been implemented. And so under Secretary Wilkie, we had to have that strong implementation thrust. And that meant you had to have both the policy and the resource buy-in at the leadership level within the department and then all the lines of business and and ultimately down into the delivery site. It wasn't enough that we we were the secretary's, you know, um, direct report and shared um, services for data tools, technology engagement. We had to help those lines of business understand how it was going to benefit them in their delivery of services. And one of the positive things uh, was that at the same time, of course, the president's management agenda and OMB had the, the A11 initiative that looked at customer experience and highly productive agencies and, and was looking at and requiring some kind of feedback on performance. So with our trust score surveys, we began to collect data and share it with these different lines of business to help them better understand the customer and do a better job of their service delivery and ultimately to um, improve the experience they had with their customers and raise the trust scores. You've mentioned data already just a couple times in, in the few minutes that we've been talking. It obviously plays a large role in driving that positive experience forward for veterans. How did you leverage data in your role to increase satisfaction of those experiences? Well, we first of all, um, data has to be collected from a variety of, of sources and mechanisms. So although we have a very robust um, AI-enabled survey system, which is called vSignals, which allowed us to customize surveys for each of the lines of business and each of their sub-delivery systems, um, and to collect uh, information real-time in qualitative and quantitative approaches that we were able to analyze and then give back to those lines of business. For instance, for the um, medical centers, we would give them twice a week the feedback we collected from the survey data on what their customers, their patients, told us about their concerns their compliments and their recommendations. That was used in real time 
uh, to make changes to for individual veterans who had a concern. For example, I couldn't get my prescription filled. There was a service recovery action that was able to happen right away with the patient advocate team and others and the clinical team. But if we saw at that facility, if the leadership saw that there were six people talking about a pharmacy challenge and enabled them to do program improvement and understand maybe there was a an issue with timing or staffing. And so this empowered them to be better leaders and managers and better providers at the facility level. And also because we collected open-ended comments, we got a lot, a lot of compliments. The majority of what we heard were compliments. And that was used to really reinforce and incentivizing um, our um, staff, particularly during times like COVID, when it was such a challenge and they got a lot of positive reinforcement for the, the special work that they were doing. And that was very positive. You touched on on something too there that I think is is fascinating. We think about CX as very much a digital experience, but if you think about even some of the largest private sector brands that have exemplary CX, like an Amazon or or et cetera, there's also in-person experiences that they're trying to enhance as well. Ultimately, a package gets delivered at your house in person. What does that experience look? What does that look like? What are the instructions of the driver? How do you? How does that all fit into the ecosystem? You mentioned pharmacies. So obviously it's not just a digital experience where veterans are going to a website or leveraging digital services, but but they're going to a place. I think the VA is is very much a, a large example of this because you're getting that in-person medical care. How difficult is it when you're managing such a, uh, a large comprehensive digital experience, but an even larger in-person experience? How do you manage that? That's an excellent question. Just like the data sources need to be diversified, our, um, our service delivery sources and mechanisms are and need to be, continue to be diversified to meet the customer needs. COVID was an excellent example when so many things had to go um, remote and, and be provided online. How the remote um, patient monitoring for home telehealth program increased by over 4,000%. How we were able to use vet texts to reach, you know, 30 to 50 million um, veterans with information specifically designed for them, their condition, their need uh, with COVID information or information about their prescriptions. You know, how our contact centers are our VA 411, our VA hotlines were able to capture information. And there, um, while it wasn't in person, they were talking to a live agent 24-7 who was able to take their concerns and then assure them that they would be able to uh, address those, even if they couldn't see that um, that provider. Um, numerous... Um, initiatives were started because of the use of not only the, the technology that allowed us to capture the data by uh, chat and phone and surveys, et cetera, but then 
we were able to use that information to change the behavior of the providers, managers, and leaders. For instance, um, we understood that most of the, the veterans did want to return to face-to-face. Um, and because of that, um, we had um, the allowed us to have the telehealth and the we provided veterans with portals if they didn't have uh, the benefit of one. But it also meant that we needed to make sure that every individual interaction was one that mattered. And so we, for instance, created own the moment training and over 100,000 VA employees were trained on the uh, ability to interact with with um, their patients in a way that acknowledged them and was a high um, emotional resonance experience. Um, likewise, we adopted the eye care values and modified those to have customer experience. Um, and that was a very positive thing and is now a permanent part of the culture under Secretary McDonough, uh, where we'll be training 400,000 employees uh, on this um, eye care values. You mentioned the emotional side of it. One of the largest trends that I've seen around customer experience, especially since of the onset of the pandemic, has been the, the understanding that empathy plays a part in these experiences, not just in person, but digital as well. I mean, you can look at the unemployment insurance websites going down, but what what is the experience when somebody has lost their job and they're showing up to to a website to claim benefits? It's it, They're in need of somebody being empathetic. And again, I think the VA is a great example of uh, a department that just needs empathy in every single touch point um, depending on what that milestone is, how did you look at empathy and weave that into your kind of strategic vision for for the uh, veteran experience? Ironically, um, there's some very smart people. When we adapted adopted the um, commitment to measure trust and use the Forrester model, the three E's: ease, effectiveness includes emotional resonance or what we would think of as empathy. And so that's measured in those V-signal surveys I, I mentioned earlier. And that can be um, uh, part of the analysis that is done on all the qualitative and quantitative data. And it is key, especially in, in the healthcare interactions. It's important in benefits, we understand that but it can be um, life-changing in those healthcare interactions. So early on, the Veterans Health Administration adopted the customer experience as part of their um, movement for a highly reliable organization. And they adopted patient experience as their driving force with things like the own the moment training that enabled them to train all their employees on simple things like eye contact, make a tremendous difference. Uh, we deployed a cadre of um, red code ambassadors that are help, able at each facility to just simply help people navigate um, and find their way around. Um, coming in for healthcare, it can be extremely stressful. 
And when you're um, confused, lost, scared, what you need is that empathetic interaction that can um, help calm you. We have a large uh, number of um, additional services that data was able to help us with in technology and tools. Um, we have a, a caregiver, uh, an application for caregiver that allows, allows us to touch base with those caring for a veteran and check in on them for their welfare. How are they doing? Um, as I said, we have the portals. We got those uh, with donations from organizations like like um, our, our social media, large um, uh, entities that, that enabled us to have this telehealth. And it's really key, especially during COVID, for the mental health of individuals that one-on-one -on -one personal contact. And um, we saw how important that was uh, for things like the mental health, the connectedness, and also, frankly, for suicide prevention. Um, it's very, very important that people feel that that empathetic lifeline is, is available to them. So data tools and technology need to help us understand when to make those connections, when those are important. And for each person, that can be different. Um, but they're no substitute for that, you know, that um, warm connection with a fellow human being. For those of the, that have listened to this podcast for a while, they, they might have heard the episode I had. Rick Parrish, who heads up uh, the customer experience practice at Forrester, walked through exactly what you just mentioned and spoke about the importance of empathy into some of these uh, these programs. So if anybody's listening and you haven't heard it, I, I definitely recommend you checking that out. He takes a deep dive into what Linda just touched on. And it, you you brought up something else here where you look at the well-being of some of the the veteran employees, uh, their veterans affairs employees, and that was the other side of of your role, right? It wasn't just external yes. engagement with veterans and their families, but you had focus on employee engagement as well. How challenging was that to to kind of manage both sides? Well, of course, um, I did not run the our HR department. Um, uh, that's a task that's daunting, but we were able to um, come alongside their experts and to complement um, their efforts um, with our new data tools, technology engagement. And partly because the secretary's commitment was that a customer is both that external facing customer, the veteran, family, caregiver, survivor that Congress has said we will serve, but it's also the employee. The employee was also seen as a customer. If you don't take care of both the employee and that external facing customer, you won't have a satisfactory interaction and you won't be successful. So for the employees, um, we deployed the same kind of um, uh, data tools technology we did with our, our veterans. So for instance, that journey I talked about and the moments that matter, we did not only veterans uh, journey mapping of benefits and healthcare, et cetera, but we did employee journey maps. We used human-centered design to make sure that we understood those moments that matter for employees. The largest ones, of course, onboarding, huge challenge if you've ever tried to become part of the, the federal government. 
Then you have that, um, I want to mature my uh, professional um, career and my my um, tenure. I, I want to make a decision in my mid-career if I'm going to stay here. That's not unlike the experience in the military. And finally, I, I need to retire. I, I want to understand what's next for me and how do I take um, appropriate advantage of all the things that I've earned. Those three major moments that matter, we needed to do something about them. So for just the onboarding, we were working closely with the HR department and their experts to understand how we can change the processes so it is uh, easier, more efficient, and more emotionally resonant. So they will trust when they're starting out that the VA is, in fact, a good place to work and I'm going to be respected. It's not just about the mission, but it is about valuing my contribution. So I was very, very pleased that we were able to um, incorporate the employee. And that will continue. And it enables us not only um, using CX, uh, customer experience, as our culture focus, it, and all the data tools and technology, and enables us to understand the differences in experiences and respond to those in a way that really reinforces the importance of the, the thrust for um, um, diversity, inclusion, and equity, both for the veterans we're serving and for the employees that we are serving to serve them. You said the word equity right there, and I think that's something that has also risen to the surface as as the pandemic ha- has gone on, the the ability for digital capabilities to hopefully bring more equity to these rural areas. But I think it also showed people that not everybody has access to the same digital capabilities in those same rural areas as you do in some of the major um, cities around the country. And because you had to manage those experiences in some of those rural areas, in fact, arguably, probably a higher percentage in those rural areas. How did you leverage the digital tools that you had to, to try to drive that digitally, digital equity forward for those, vet, for those veterans and the employees? Well, Brian, this is where um, we were mature enough, thankfully, in the CX culture and the data tools technology engagement that we had been testing for a couple of years when COVID struck so that we could really get innovative and just do what you said, address those, especially those at high risk and those that were not going to be able to be treated equitably in their services just because of factors like like distance or others. So one of the examples, um, we had been doing in-person one-stop centers, bringing all the lines of business at the VA, healthcare benefits, uh, memorial services, together in a large college auditorium in a community with nonprofits locally and local volunteer um, service organizations and local agencies. And we had been able to meet the needs of veterans um, face-to-face, and these were very successful. We took those virtually as soon as we realized that we were all going to be on lockdown. We worked with state departments of veterans affairs, the local mayors, the counties. We worked with nonprofits. We worked with Red Cross, United Way, veteran service organizations. 
and we wor worked across the VA to create these virtual action centers, these one stops, which enabled us to reach out to veterans. For instance, in Arizona, when we had it, we were able to reach veterans who were on tribal lands that had a harder time always accessing uh, care because of distance. We were able to, by phone, arrange for an appointment that was convenient to them, understand what they needed in terms of their benefits, care, and services, set up in advance a string of appointments on a single um, extended call where they could talk to all the providers that would answer their concerns and their needs and then take action and get back to them. And it didn't have to be just the VA. Again, mindful, if we discovered that somebody was having a challenge with uh, food insecurity, for instance, there were local nonprofits and other local providers that could address that immediately. So this, these virtual veteran experience action centers, which were just one of the many ways that we reached out to make sure that people were not um, uh, receiving different or poorer care because of geographic location, because of gender. We did a lot of targeting to um, female veterans who may have, for a variety of reasons, a, a greater challenge coming in to those who were veterans, but also were caregiving to others in the home and couldn't be as mobile, or to veterans who were um, uh, elder and who were shut in and also were restricted in their mobility. Um, so things like that enabled us to reach out and meet the veteran where they were. We talked earlier about how Amazon is managing kind of an in-person, albeit a much smaller in-person experience than, than you were at the VA, and also a massive digital experience. And they also they often get looked at as a best-in-class when it comes to digital. And you just touched on something that made me, made me think about this, where you've done such an amazing job of mapping to milestones, whether it's within uh, the internal employee or the external veteran or stakeholder or family member, is there, especially since you're managing this broad ecosystem and you have access to these milestones, are you able to leverage some of the lessons learned from, say, an Amazon or other private sector vendors where you can kind of dial up complementary services? Or do you, how often do you look at the private sector for influence when you're kind of weaving it into your strategic vision? The Office of um, Veteran Experience that I ran was started with the um, commitment to CX and the understanding by a secretary at the time who had come from the private sector that um, we needed to use the best practices. So right away, we started with looking at um, what business and industry are doing and what really, really works. We also have an office of strategic partnership uh, run by Deborah Shearer at the uh, VA. And that has partnerships with with Amazon and Facebook and, and others, um, but especially vendors like Amazon who have that supply chain. Um, and um, we use uh, our arrangements with Philips to better understand the um, use of technology and on and on. Um, 
So yes, we do look, um, but we also um, do, as I, I've mentioned, we happen to have uh, use a um, medallia-enabled survey instrument, which of course has a lot of AI capability. And that allows us to constantly be uh, improving our understanding of the customers at a very micro uh, level. And so um, when we, for instance, reach out with uh, text to tell somebody that they're, um, they can be vaccinated at their VA facility, um, it was based on the fact that they had already told us they were interested in being vaccinated or that they, uh, which VA facility was going to be most convenient for them to go to. Um, a lot of the customization, which is really um, what um, CNX enables you to do, as well as to see um, patterns. Um, Amazon understands our patterns and, and will recommend um, other products to us. Um, and the VA is able to also uh, increasingly in the delivery of healthcare, ask relevant questions of, of veterans who are patients um, that may be uh, important for their, their overall health, but maybe they and their provider had not uh, initially thought of. Um, so we look to the best practices in business and industry, but frankly, um, especially in areas like healthcare, um, we're initiating those and, and um, innovating those ourselves. Linda, I'm curious. I hear a lot of government executives that do say that. They're, they say they're, they looked at private sector best in class. What does that look like when you're, when you're doing that due diligence? Is it just a matter of kind of putting a, a, a team together to kind of analyze websites and analyze process, or is it more complex than that? Well, of course, there's a elaborate, exhaustive um, public process for um, anything that would involve a potential contract. Um, if you look at the um, electronic health records, for instance, the reform of those and the inclusion of, of private sector best practices um, were not only um, carefully considered in an RFI process, request for information, which was very public and, and asking a series of questions about uh, from the private sector about what should be included. But then um, in the, in the um, review of, of proposals, et cetera, and in the implementation. Um, so one of the things that is, I see is very, very beneficial is increasingly um, written into um, proposals um, for any data tools technology or engagement is this uh, understanding of the importance of customer experience. And, um, and across the department, the review groups are, are now factoring that in, in both the uh, development and analysis of, um, of all the um, work that we do with the private sector, um, whether it's under contract or in these uh, strategic partnerships. So we've mentioned COVID a few times. Uh, I'm really curious to understand from your point of view, how have you seen customer experience shift since the onset of the pandemic? It unequivocally has. And I think the the stakeholders have become increasingly more reliant on those digital experiences. But 
what are some of the things that you've seen shift around CX um, since the pandemic kicked off? Well, we um, one of the things we did right away is we implemented um, a new series of surveys around COVID um, to ask for um, ask the veteran customers what they wanted and then uh, deliver what they wanted um, and then to see how that experience was. So, for instance, while they told us that they wanted to return to face to face as quickly as possible, understanding that wasn't um, feasible in all cases, especially early on um, for more routine visits, they gave us information on telehealth. And so on telehealth, um, they helped us understand what were the challenges. And I'm, I'm frankly looking at an analysis of what they said about the challenges related to appointment cancellations and connectivity issues. Just connectivity alone was a huge challenge. So we needed to make sure that both the veteran and the employee received adequate training on how to use the technology to facilitate the telehealth. If you're talking to somebody about a challenge that they're having with their health or mental health, the last thing you want to be doing is uh, frustrating them with the inability to access, you know, um, it, them by the computer or the phone or any way that you're doing it. So our feedback gave us valuable information to do some real-time immediate um, improvements to the delivery of services. Another one was um, those who had to come in for um, care in a facility told us that they wanted to make sure that they that it was clean. They wanted to make sure there was social distance. And they, they frankly didn't kind of want to hang around. So we implemented um, best practices in industry like the Green Glove Initiative that the Veterans Health Administration has has mastered to make sure there's just very public visible awareness of cleanliness, social distancing. But we created an app that and a text preference if they preferred that so that a veteran could be in their car and wait for their appointment in the car until it was time. And they then could come right in when their provider was ready and they didn't have to wait in a waiting room and have that risk of exposure that they were concerned about. So there were numerous opportunities to make real-time changes um, within days and, and, and weeks. That's a really good point. I think the kind of moving from a, a desktop computer and even just a, a, a tablet and even a mobile experience has even matriculated, um, and I would say it increased dramatically um, with COVID, into being able to really deliver omni-channel communication through text message, especially. I think that in real time, being able to communicate with somebody, I think that was uh, an important change that, not to say there wasn't the capability to do text messaging before, but I think people being willing to interact via text message with a company or with um, an organization like the VA, I think uh, certainly drove that adoption. So uh, really good point. Um, before I give you a chance uh, to to give us some final thoughts, I'm curious to hear 
uh, some of your predictions for for CX over the next five years. What, what do you think is going to? I mean, certainly the pandemic is, has kicked off um, dramatic change, like we just discussed. Uh, do you see that continuing and and to uh, evolve at the same rate, or what are some of the predictions that you have? Well, I would um, I would hate to be a prognosticator, but um, uh, some of the things that I, as a veteran, a veteran family member, caregiver, and survivor, will look for, and I believe that the VA will respond to, is um, that this um, focus on me as the customer and um, serving me in the right time place with the right tools and technology and data will be will remain remain the focus um, in the private sector we vote more readily with our feet or um, our pocketbook in terms of being able to express our dissatisfaction with some customer service uh, it's more difficult in the public sector, but um, this is why the value of requesting feedback is so key and the measurement of those forester metrics of ease, effectiveness, uh, emotional resonance, and, and the trust. Um, because as you said at the beginning, our mission is, we are mission driven at the VA, is to serve those who have served us all. There's, there's, there's no greater thing. Uh, to be able to do. So the the customers uh, who are our employees are committed to this. Um, the customers who uh, come to us are committed to using and, and having a strong, robust um, veterans administration. I see that the we kind of have to get though beyond the buzz. Right now, if you look at social media, if you look at LinkedIn, anywhere you look, Everything is about customer experience, CX, CX. And it's easy to use terms to share phrases to um, hire and to promote um, the popular feature of the day in terms of the brand or the uh, packaging or anything. Um, what we really have to make sure is is that this is a permanent culture change for both the internal and the external customer. And I see, um, I do not see healthcare in particular. It will not be the same. It will not be the same uh, anywhere. Um, and the for one, um, those who are receiving healthcare by the mere fact that we've had to listen to. Um, information on on COVID and vaccinations, we have a, a heightened sensitivity to our uh, our healthcare, the delivery of healthcare, what's possible and what we expect. If you look at how quickly the response has occurred um, and how it's impacted the entire life cycle of everyone in the country, in the world, um, that is not going to be forgotten. And people's expectations, expectations for things like speed, for relevance, for rightness, and for that uh, to be included, to have things be um, equitable, and to meet the diverse ways in which um, they they live and and their identity, um, those will be uh, a permanent part of our, our culture, regardless of 
of whether we're delivering healthcare benefits or memorial services inside or outside the VA. I couldn't agree more. And I loved that in your predictions, you brought it back to data and mission, being data-driven and and focused on the mission. I think that's not only important, but it really illustrates uh, the focus that you had at the VA. Linda, any any final thoughts you want to leave our listeners with today? Uh, Brian, I, um, I'm really um, just glad to be able to share that experience at the VA. It's ongoing. Um, I'm so glad the current secretary has um, reinforced and adopted the commitment to CX with things like the iCare core values. Um, I would just encourage people um, to... Um, g- get information on the details to to make a connection to understand how what was done and is being done at the VA is relevant and and replicable at their agencies that they go to www.va.gov forward slash v like victory e like elephant forward slash um in there they'll see Things like how we responded to the president's management agenda, OMB A11, the policy that we have, the accomplishments report that has almost 200 examples of specific data tools and technology projects, the strategic plan, and also this wonderful, wonderful tool that um, our my deputy Barbara Morton led, which is the CX cookbook. It's being used now across government. And it talks about the ways in which the key ingredients of customer experience can be implemented, not only in federal agencies, but now one of the things I'm working on is how we implement them in our complementary um, supplementary partners in the nonprofit um, sector. Um, they're such a key role in what we do. Uh, and uh, I'm working to make sure they understand CX is relevant for nonprofits and volunteer organizations also. So Linda, thank you so much for your time today. And before I let you go, I have to say thank you for your service and not just in the military, but for what you're doing for our veterans. They certainly deserve a, uh, a next generation experience, both in person and in, in digital and the digital equity uh, needs to be there and really just appreciate how tirelessly you worked in that capacity to deliver that for them. So um, again, thank you so much. My honor. This has been the Government Huddle Podcast. You can check out more episodes of the show by heading over to gmarku.com or on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or on Twitter at Chittister AB. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye for now.